I think if anybody wanted proof of that in, in Scripture and in Jesus' life, just go do a little timeline of Jesus' relationship with Peter. Yeah. And the highs and lows of that trajectory. Yeah, right? Oh, right. my goodness. Wait a second. Right. What, was it right. here? Was it there? Was it then? Was it here right. that he got converted? Was it then? When did he really? Wait, denial? Wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Craziness, yeah. right? Yes. Well, then it all got straightened out and he was fine. Wait, well, let's jump way ahead. Jerusalem, 30 years later, Paul's coming back going, hey, Peter, uh, <laughs> nobody needs that. Just Jesus, remember? Like, I mean, right, it's right. a long journey, man. It is. Thank you, Jesus, for your patience and love and care, and that you now pour your grace out and that patience through others. Yes. You know, we tend to think, yes. you know, how's God doing all this? Like, God's going to give you grace, brother. God's going to provide for your needs. God's going to speak. How does he do that? Through humans now, the mystery revealed by his spirit indwelling you and me and the rest of the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters, the saints. That's how grace happens. That's how patience is learned. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Well, how are you doing this week? Are you having the best week ever? Or not so much? Where are you at in that scale of 1 to 10? Best week ever? Or not so much? Hey, today when I'm recording this, I am just a couple of days away from heading out to do some everyday disciple training in Europe. I'll be heading over to Budapest with Tina. We're going over there to train a whole bunch of young leaders that are making disciples in some really exciting ways, both there in Budapest, but also in the Ukraine. And that's where we head from Budapest. And probably the day you're listening to this, if you listen on the Monday that it's released, that's where Tina and I will be. We'll actually be in the Ukraine. So I'm recording this a little bit early. And, uh, and then we're heading over to Brussels. Again, a bunch of young leaders that are so serious about making disciples in that country and doing it through relationship and community and all the things we talk about here. So I'm pretty excited. And uh, if you hear this, and it is like on that Monday, and so you know, hey, Tina and Caesar are still in the Ukraine, I'd certainly appreciate your prayers, both for effective discipleship, but also for protection, since, as you probably know, there's some things going on over there. Hey, let me read a review that came in. This came in from uh, someone, looks like they, their handle here in the review slot is called Learning More in English. <laughs> Great. And it says uh, the, the podcast is pure gold. That's what this series of two teaching podcasts is from Cesar Kalinowski on development of leaders, especially leaders for a missional community environment. So I'm guessing he's referring to maybe the last couple of episodes or so back that we we talked about mauling and you listen to my buddy John Whitney. So awesome. And he goes, where can I get some of those types of leaders? It's kind of important, like essential to have missional minded leaders to lead mission oriented communities. He says, newsflash, the church isn't the place that's developing these kinds of leaders. Something different is needed. This podcast gives some very good, concise help. Well, that's what we're trying to do. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it when any of you leave us a review. It's both an encouragement to us, but then also to others who might be perusing podcasts, either being on an Apple device or on Spotify or wherever, you, you can leave reviews. And then uh, they go, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So pay it forward. Bless me and those who are part of this podcast here, Everyday Disciple, but also bless some other fellow brothers and sisters on the road. 
Okay, and be sure to subscribe or follow or like or whatever your platform allows you to do. And you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash listen, forward slash listen. That will take you to a page that has all sorts of different environments and links to places where you can hear podcasts. Maybe you're all good on that, but if you're still listening to the podcast from our website, you may choose to listen to it uh, some different ways. So how, however you want to do it, there it is. Also, if you're interested in learning uh, full framework for discipleship and mission, much like, in fact, exactly like we talk about here on the podcast, and if you want some help growing in your gospel fluency and then seeing that grow out into your family life and into the life of your church, we'd love to help you with it. That's what Tina and I do in our coaching. We could set up a short Zoom call, get to know you better, figure out a little bit of your journey, how you've been making disciples so far, and see if the coaching we have to offer might be a good fit for you. And if it is, we'll get you started right away. If you want to look into that, set up a discovery call with us, just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. All right, there you go. I'd love to talk to you. Now, today we're going to be discussing the patience required to actually make disciples. This discipleship is definitely more of a slow cooking process and not something done at microwave speeds. Maybe that's why the church in recent history has had such a hard time with making disciples. We've kind of become a culture that wants to see instant numbers and instant attendance and instant new programs. Today, I'm going to share a conversation with you that I had recently with my really good friend, Gino Kirkaruto. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you've heard him on here before. Just a couple months back, he and I discussed discipleship rhythms for a missional community. And Gino is a church planner, and he leads a network of missional community churches called The Table in Philadelphia. Really cool, really on the ground. And he and his wife, Jill, along with their family, truly live out a lifestyle of discipleship. And so not only is he a really good friend, someone I've done a lot of ministry work with and all, but he is a practitioner that I trust and I learn a lot from. So listen in now as Gino and I talk about the patience needed when it comes to making disciples and how the early church leaders knew this and had an expectation of taking a long time doing life with people as they were discipled to walk in the ways of Jesus. Hey, Gino, it's great to have you back on the podcast. I know we got a lot of feedback from the last time you were on, of course. And uh, <laughs> But even if we didn't, I just love having you on hanging. How you been? How's things am, going there in Philly? Oh, man, I'm really good. Thanks for having me back. It's always good to be with you and to see you. I know everyone else doesn't get to see us right now, but it's good to see each other. Oh, we both look so good. Uh, younger all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Thinner, younger, yeah, faster, richer. That's what happens it. over the years, you right? Looks yes. so good. You, you got your cool church wall background going in your office there. I love that. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's special. It's so special. It's special. It's very special. It went up four by eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, we were talking the other day on the phone, and I was like, oh, we got to get you on and talk a little bit about this. You were reading a book uh, yeah. about discipleship and church history and all, and you started like jazzing on this idea of how long the early church saw the process of discipleship and moving towards yeah. certain ceremonies and aspects of that. Like, best you can, let's pick that conversation back up, and, and, yeah. and I want to get into some of that stuff, because I think we're going to find that um, if, if discipleship feels like it takes a really long time, or helping people move from unbelief to belief, and faith True faith seems like, wow, this is, takes a long time. We're probably in really good historical church company. <laughs> so. Yes, that's, that's exactly what hit me. So the book is called The Patient Ferment 
of the Early Church. Maybe some of your listeners have read it by Alan Kreider. And I was struck by the idea that the early church had treaties, documents written on really only one subject of, mo of all the subjects, and that was patience, the, the long time that it takes to be and embody being a follower of Jesus. And so how that played out was like, you know, they use the term catechesis, which sometimes is kind of a weird word, but this idea of catechism, training, right? Yeah, yeah. Training people into the life of Jesus, because the early church was to be a Christian, to follow Jesus meant you were leaving something else. And there was a lot of risk. Mm. So I think we know that historically, but they didn't see what, what hit me was they didn't seem to just be all about like, Hey, come in and you're one of us really quickly and let's get you baptized and in our newsletter and like raise funds from all the people that are coming. There was a long process because they wanted to see change in people's lives. And they, they would say that it often took about three years before mm -hmm. someone was baptized. And wow. so, so baptism was like this, this, this ceremony that indicated that you're living a life that is a, as a follower of Jesus, even though you were participating. And so how they organized things was not everything was open for everyone. There were certain rhythms and if, uh, gatherings that just weren't designed. Yeah. It, it never really, that starts to push up against so much of our traditional contemporary understanding of church ecclesia and, and ecclesiology yes. and all that, because everything uh, like maybe in the eighties or so, or maybe even earlier got really geared to get a seeker in and get them on the team and get them baptized as soon as possible and all that. Cause that's the big marker of truth. And yes. you're like, but, but what if they've not done any of the counting of the costs? What if they don't understand the gospel yet? They don't understand their identity. Is that the marker? And see, I think what happens is when you're, when you're measuring, when a, when a primary metric is attendance or numbers of people, yeah. uh, then then yeah, then let's get them in as quick as possible. Or membership? Oh, got to get right. them in because they're not—they can't be members if they're not baptized. Ooh, I was baptized. Well, not in the right church. Uh -huh, sorry, <laughs> wrong denom. You know all that. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, these early church fathers sort of—they—that wasn't even on their radar. It sounds like. Yeah, it seems. It seems as though their concern was something that they would call faithfulness, mm -hmm. which I know that can be problematic, but I think it was faithfully living out the identity that you have in Jesus. And yeah. that takes time to like, not just drop from the head to the heart in a sense, and then lived out in your hands and feet. And they had awareness of that. So it really had me thinking like, do we do that? Do we consider that there are certain spaces or gatherings that are just to help us grow in faithfulness and maybe not open for everyone? Well, and let me just back up the truck a little there, Gina. Yeah. You're running over yeah. some gold here, brother. Let's get <laughs> it in the wash plant. Um, just what you just said about identity, and, and they wanted to be certain that people were beginning to believe the truth of their God-given and now yeah. Jesus-purchased identity. And we think about what is really discipleship, and, and we've said it this way a long time. I think you probably use very similar language around helping people move from unbelief to belief in absolutely every area of life in light of the gospel, well, that would yeah. certainly begin with identity in Christ and really a Trinitarian identity because it's right there in Matthew 28. Hey, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go and make disciples. How? By immersing them, baptizing them, baptizo, that Greek word means to immersing them in what? The name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit. So like Jesus has given us the mission, but he's going, how's that going to happen? You're going to reimmerse. You're going to reimmerse and reimmerse mm -hmm. 
them in their identity, in the fact that they were actually created in our image, Father, Son, and Spirit, and now re-imaged in Christ mm-hmm. and re-empowered by the Spirit. And that's what really discipleship's all about, that you're going to begin yeah. to live more fully, increasingly, in light of what's now true of you because of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. And so that that really starts to reframe what's going on in a baptism service. Yeah, yeah. What if the community, the kingdom of God, the community that you're immersed into, like relationally, is an ongoing immersion, if you will, in your identity? What if that's the, so there is a ceremony maybe, you know, in some ways, but does that mean, I think this is kind of what you're getting at. Like, what does that mean? What is that? Yeah. Is that just a one-time thing you're done? Or is there something about being in relationship that's continually drawing you into the reality of your identity or remembrance and, and lived out faith. And everybody don't freak out. We're not saying don't baptize people. Right. We're not saying that. That is a that was a culturally appropriate and super important thing back in those days when Jesus mm-hmm. initiated that. Though he didn't start baptism. We think that was the case, but no, that started with Judaism thousands of years earlier with mikvah being washed clean in living water from external uncleanliness. And John the Baptist kind of kicked the new party into gear when he said, no, repent, like Mm. change your mind, change your direction, live in light of what's true now, right? Stop living in light of the do to be system and self-rule and all that. Live in light of what's true of you and who God is and all. And then, so Jesus says, now go and make disciples and baptize them. We, why did, why did we turn that into a one-time sort of view? Like we don't see communion as like, Hey, the one time, remember, remember back in youth right. group, you raised your hand and we took communion. Yeah. Why yeah. do we do that? Or why do we see it that way? I believe fully in the importance of, and the value of a communal sort of proclamation of, I believe this identity now. And that's why we baptize that way. Hey, Gino, man, you've put your faith in Christ and you've begun to walk with him and move from unbelief to belief and self-rule to he's your Lord. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that God is truly your father? Like that you're his dearly loved son and you... You have nothing to do to ever earn that or prove that. Yeah, I do believe that. Well, I want to baptize you in the name of our Father, <laughs> your Father. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that Jesus was a servant who came and gave his life for you? He's not only your Lord, but he came to serve you. And he said, as I've been sent, I send you. So you're now sent as a servant also of God and as of the King, just like your brother Jesus. I do. Well, let me baptize you in that name, that identity. And, and then you're sent one, Jesus says, and that's a missionary. You're a missionary, just like God was a missionary in the garden looking for people. Where are you? And Jesus came on a missionary journey to this planet to save and seek us all. And that's you now, brother. Do you believe that? Yeah, well, yeah. Let, me, let me baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit, who will now give you the power to live this life out. Well, that's a huge identity thing. That's what's really going on there. But right. why, why do we seem, seemingly think that's a one-time thing? Yeah, I think we think, and I'm not I, saying that I, has to be the tub and the tank and everything. But what if, what if we said that's a that's a public proclamation of it? And you actually you could do it more often. I've had people say, "Could I get rebaptized in light of what you just said?" Like identity. Mm-hmm. I was baptized mm-hmm. like in youth group, but now I'm like 30. Like <laughs> you sure can. Of course yeah, you can. Right? Can you take communion more than once? Can you pray more than <laughs> once? Can you study the Book of John more? Than, I read it. I read it. I can't read it again. No, well, of course you can. And so I really, man, I I want to grasp personally and 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 for those we lead and coach and all but also for everyone listening that this idea of baptized immersed in your identity is an ongoing thing and back to like where we started this takes a long time to begin to understand and believe fully our true god-given gospel-centered identity and then begin to live out of that increasingly looking more and more like Jesus 
Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really intriguing thought, right? Because we don't we don't believe maybe there are people that say this, like the proclamation of the gospel only happens in certain circumstances and certain occasions. We say it's something that you do in life because you need the gospel. You need to move from unbelief to belief. As you said, we don't, I don't hold to like once a month, we take communion as this ceremony because we have to, it's like every meal is, is like participating in our, our, remembrance and participation with Jesus and celebration present and celebrating this. And so why have we culturally made baptism, this kind of one-time ceremony that we get excited about, and then we don't necessarily take the significance and apply it every day, like you're saying, or in all of life as often as is needed, let's say. Wow. Okay, now in light of all that, we let's let's move to where we were kind of getting to. But I had to put the brakes on there a little bit. Yeah, Sorry, I appreciate man. that. I move a little quick sometimes. <laughs> but, I get this, excited. It's also good. But this idea that that every gathering or every activity or every event wasn't designed for seekers per se, or yeah. someone who wasn't even sure just yet of where they were at, but there was yeah. actually community activity that was for believers. There was a family reunion aspect to it. Well, yeah. clearly, and we talked about this several episodes back about organized and organic rhythms. Yeah. Go back and listen to that episode if you missed that. Uh, but w- clearly, there was also both organized and organic for people who were on the journey. In other words, we, they're they're beginning to believe, or they're starting to move from unbelief to belief. But but they're they're not saying Jesus is Lord just yet. But yeah. you can see it. You could see it all over them. They're they're beginning to believe. They're moving from unbelief to belief, and so. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about like how that begins to shape your community life at the table yeah. in Philly. Yeah, I think of um, the church takes place, if you will, the people of God. I don't mean like a, a building, but the people of God exist in not just one space, but in multiple spaces. And the, by a space, I mean like a place where relationship happens. And just like my for relationship, instance, for yeah, instance, go ahead. Oh, you want me to tell you? Yeah. yeah. For instance, in my home on Thursday nights, I gather with people that are leaning into following Jesus. So we're not like judging where they are with that, but they're open to relationships that are talk about the good news of Jesus as being important for their life. And so that, that's a different relationship than the one that I'm developing with a barista at my local coffee shop. Just like my relationship with you has been formed and shaped over many years of friendship and going through some pretty rough things that we've had to experience in our life. And that forms us. I don't share the things that I've experienced in in my relationship with you that I do with just anyone else because our relationship is different. It occupies a different space. And I think that, that relationships need to be accounted for in these different spaces. And the church gets to inhabit different spaces to build new relationships. It's like this beautiful both and, Mm. but if we don't intentionally think about it, we try to flatten and mash together all the relationships into one container and see like, let's get it all relationships, all the activities, all the learning, all the discipline, all the everything. We, we've talked about this. I know you and I have, I've talked about it probably on the show. We call it the clown car. 
<laughs> the <laughs> clown great. car version of being the yes. church or trying to do the yes. church. And what yes. I mean by the clown car is, have you ever been to a circus? Maybe they still do this, but they did when I was a kid. At some point, I'll drive this little dinky car. Maybe it's a VW bug. Maybe it's half the size of that into the center ring. And the door opens up and out piles this clown. You're like, how did he ever fit in there? And all of a sudden, two or three more pop out. And you're like, that's yes. nuts. And you're like, just wait. And there's like a dozen more been folded up in there, right? And, yes. and, and and it was all in there. And so we call it the yes. clown car because somehow we got to this one size fits all wherever they're at on their journey. Everybody going to get everything's going to happen in that hour, hour and yes. 20. You know, if you got yes. two services back to back, it's probably closer to an hour. You know, it's, yeah. we're going to jam it all into the clown car on Sunday morning, regardless of where you're at in maturity, age and stage of relationship, belief, understanding, language based understanding of the gospel. We're going to jam it all in there because that's all yeah. we can get. Well, that, right. that's impossible. That's impossible. It's totally impossible. I, I see this also in people that kind of move towards like, hey, let's let's have meals in our home. And then let's also like play some worship music. And then I'll also do like the content yeah. time where I teach a Bible. And it's like, and then we're going to pray for each other. And then yeah, we're going to have a like, time for the kids. You're like, wait a minute, clown car on Thursday night now. <laughs> exactly. Like we're going to compress the church, just change the location. And I'm saying we need to account for relationship and spaces to consider what is helpful for that relationship to move it in, in discipleship intentionally. And so if I look at the, the relationship that I develop in a coffee shop as meeting someone that's a stranger that becomes an acquaintance and maybe a friend, I inhabit that space. The content of those conversations is different than Thursday night. And it necessarily should be. Yeah. Otherwise, it's weird. Totally. It's weird. And there again, do people in the community know what quote space they're in either relational yes. or physical space and how to participate with you? Have you ever had this happen where maybe you're doing a barbecue in the backyard or a cigar and theology night or whatever, and a believing friend who's maybe not part of the community or brand new to it or whatever, they show up and in their mind, they're in the clown car Sunday space, or maybe yes. it's their Thursday night. And so right away, they got to jam in all of the spirituality, language, religious stuff, washed in the blood, you know, all of that has to yes. happen. And you're like, bro, yes. we're just, uh, talking about the Phillies and smoking a cigar, mostly sometimes yes. marriage comes into it. And then usually the talk about Jesus yeah. is, um, you know, and, all, yes. but and have you ever had that where they don't get it? They don't get what space they're in. And <laughs> yes, I've had some seriously awkward situations Ooh. where people don't get it. And it's been, it's been hurtful to, to my friends that aren't following Jesus to feel like, Oh, I'm not part of the club. You know, the dynamics relationally, if you don't identify what the space is, is for, I think is the way I say it. And what we're, what we're just trying to do, like, and I'm, I'm not trying to say one space is necessarily more important than the other. They're all necessary, mm -hmm. but you have to know what you're doing here. Like who, who are who's we in the space? Yeah. 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 It's so important. For sure. And, and I, I think that's another thing that gets a little foggy for people and they don't know how to, well, I don't, I know how to do it. So I just won't. Right. I'll just, yeah. I'll just do the clown car. I'll just jam it all yeah. into Sunday and hope to God for, I'll try to, I'll try to dumb the language down so everybody can get it. So that no one grows to maturity and no one's you know, it's still the wrong space. And, right. and it's like, uh, I don't know. And so I, I, in those situations, now this takes a little bit of intentionality, but in some of those spaces and situations, if I know, like, cause maybe I'm equipping someone, I'm discipling someone and I know they're maybe they don't quite get the space yet, or they, they yeah. don't know these people, or this is going to be a little different or a little rough or a little, you know, whatever yeah. I'll pre meet with them and say, Hey, yep. 
you know, when you're coming over this week, there's going to be some guys from, you know, downtown, man, they have a yeah. very different worldview, brother. And, and you're going to, yeah. you're going to hear some F-bombs dropping you're going to hear some languages and lots of N-words flying and like, you're not, you know, and, uh, and then, so that doesn't mean you can't engage, but I just want you to be aware of what's going on and why they're here and, and they're friends and we're building a relationship and I'd love you to be a friend of theirs. The other thing is then I close the loop on the back end. Hey man, yeah. let's talk about what did you notice tonight? What was going on? Like, where did you see the conversation get hot? Where did you see it cool off? Like, did you notice right. when, did you notice when you said that, how everybody looked a little puzzled and they got quiet for like 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, so yes. that's, that yeah. don't fear that because you can't say, well, you either intrinsically get it or you can't be in all those spaces. No. How did you learn? You know, Hey, right. I have embarrassed myself and accidentally said more stuff than I shouldn't have in so yeah. many ways, <laughs> so many ways, <laughs> not just the super extra sorry Christian stuff that didn't fit, but vice versa and just goofy stuff or I'll ask a question that sounds too much how my dad would have asked it. Like, right. why are, why are those people doing that? Like, what, right. That's a little oh, icky, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a little icky. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, technically those people at that table, but you didn't say it that way. I'm like, Oh no, my kids will really <laughs> yeah. hammer me. I'm like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. I, I think that, Oh, I was going to say that, you know, also there are spaces where it wouldn't be comfortable for my friends that are not yet following Jesus to inhabit those spaces because it just would confuse them or they're, they're not interested in those things. And that's okay. You know, that's okay that, that Christians get together and pray or study the Bible or, those, or go through the story of God. And, and it's not something that my other friends are, are necessarily ready for. So the, the idea of not creating every space to be flattened out and, and for everyone, I think is an important distinction to make. It for sure is. And, and kind of back to our overarching theme today, this, this whole making of disciples and seeing people move from unbelief to belief in every area of life and, and coming to the point of Jesus as Lord and, and walking with him increasingly, it takes a lot more time, I think, than we maybe thought or wanted yeah. to. It really yes. does. I think, I think uh, as Hugh Halter has said, that when they build a new relationship in town or new neighbors or new friends who aren't Christians, their, their baseline assumption is three to five years probably before they understand and desire to walk with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not assuming it's going to be like in nine weeks when we get done with Alpha or something. You know what I mean? They're right. assuming really kind of going back to your point of some of the early church and in in some of the stuff in that book, they're assuming that it's a long journey and there, and you're going to know it by the fruit on the tree. Jesus said the same thing. You're going to start to see different fruit starting to flow out of a belief in their identity that comes, flows right from God himself. But this thing takes a whole lot more time, I think, than we want to think it does. And I, and I want to underline that because I want people to feel like, Hey, the pressure's off. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. this easy beliefism and f get the numbers and get, get a signature on this thing, get a membership thing or get them dunked or whatever right away or like right man oh man i just don't see jesus doing that I, it's crazy we were talking about this on the phone the other day i can't find an example where jesus baptized anybody mm -hmm. ouch mm -hmm. uh, you know like in three and a half years never got there uh and yeah. so when he said go and baptize them did he mean like a service or did he mean an immersion in identity like he had right. been clearly doing? And then Paul completely underlines throughout all of his discipleship um, and all that stuff. So I just want I don't want to tell people don't 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 have a baptism service. Not saying that. Not saying don't don't invite people to your church service ever. They're not going to understand it. Like, no, relationally know where they're at. 
but give yourself yeah. a break that this this takes a long time. And be honest about your own faith walk. You probably did not go from yes. you know being Hitler one day to I was listening to something in the car, and the next day I was like, I'm, I'm signed up for church planting class, you know, like, and I'm right. so sold out on Jesus. Right. There's been so many movements of unbelief to belief, unbelief to belief. Hopefully, <laughs> walking with yes. people, starting to understand and believe. Oh, this is who God's created us to be for His glory. Well, that brings great implication in my marriage, or yeah. the way I treat people at work, or how I see money, or fill in the blank. Right. Yeah. So I just want to give people like, hey, the pressure's off. This is going to take yes. longer, uh, and and maybe it reframes even some of the weight we put on certain events or certain things that have to happen. And then, I mean, how many of you have ever said, well, I, you know, pretty quickly led that guy in that uh, Jesus in his heart prayer. But then, you know, he came to church a couple Sundays and then it was like a month and then it was like six months. And now I can't get the guy to answer my text. Right. Or right. I've had friends where it's kind of, it went a little better than that. And they actually agreed to be baptized. And, but then after that, like they're so far from God and the church and they just never dug into their identity. They never dug further into community and the gospel together and all that. And that doesn't mean they, they shouldn't have been or whatever, but when we understand that the gospel is not about we save people, and that's the mission, that's, you know, that we disciple people, that's the mission, then we get to do that, <laughs> and yeah. I, that's going to take long. Let me ask you this as I maybe start to pull this uh, train into the station just a little bit. <laughs> um, give me a story from maybe your own life and community of someone who perhaps took years to come to faith and really mm. count themselves a disciple, grow in maturity, and and now they're helping to lead others to walk in the ways of Jesus. Anybody yeah. come to mind? I know you've got a ton. We've talked about them. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of stories. I mean, I, I I appreciate you making this space to say, you know, consider your own walk, because I feel like that's my story. I won't say that that story. I'll, I'll share someone else uh, that I've, that I've um, experienced this with. Mm. I have a friend. We can call him Bob. And when I met him, he was uh, in recovery and in just a, in a rough spot. And he had, had kind of fallen back into drugs multiple times and his family had kind of fallen apart. Um, we, we met through just shared relationships in the neighborhood. Some guys that were in recovery, they wanted to look at the 12 steps and how it related to the scriptures. It was kind of this crazy story that happened to me through my barber. And so we, we, we spent this time going through the, these conversations and really that was just a vehicle to build relationship. And then Bob like started hanging out with me at other times and with my family and we, he'd come to our brunch church occasionally. And then he kind of came to faith that he would profess it, you know, after a year or more. And all that really was, was in his mind is that he was making a decision to change some things. But I don't know that it fully like affected everything, but we were just with him because we were, you know, yeah. and then there was this experience that happened in community once he was offended by something that happened and he, um, we went to the gym together and he yelled at me in the gym in front of every, like, un, just with his words, undressed me completely because he was offended. And I was thinking mm. like someone who's following Jesus, you know, maybe that's not the best look. Right. But, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is this was a long time together, multiple years. And even him saying like, I prayed the prayer or whatever, you know, that was in a book that he had or something, but it required he had to have that conflict 
And then he had to f- experience conviction and we, we were reconciled. We got together and he was like, I don't know what came over me. And I feel like, you know, there's not like points that actually mark out when conversion happens in right. my mind. It's just an ongoing process. I know not but everybody I feel, can g- get down with that, but I I'm with you. Like which part yeah. got converted, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it the year before when he said, I'm living my life for Jesus or was it after he repented for verbally assaulting me in a public place and realizing (laughs) he had conviction, you know, I don't know. My point is being together, being in community and what, and being patient and saying, and I love you and I want to see this in your life. And he started getting a vision for what it would look like to go back into his relationships with people that were in addiction or coming out of addiction and starting a community around them. And he kind of, he did that. He's done that. He's continued that. He's kind of like spread the good news of his identity in Jesus after a couple of years. He actually moved out of the city um, recently and is continuing that work of just through AA and NA developing like these followers of Jesus, being explicit about who he follows and why. And it was a long process though. Oh, and you man. see that now and you're like, man, that's awesome. But if you knew the patience and the conflict and everything, it's, it's part of the process. And how many people have been in his life and how many different saints yes. and with different gifts and experiences and unbelief to belief of movements of their own and letting their redemption show how many different people did God use in his life and Bob's life? Yes. Yes. And, and is using in his life. And yes. now he's using Bob and a whole bunch of other people's life, but Bob ain't yes. doing it alone. He's pulling you guys into it. Right. Yes. Right. So, right. And, on it, and on it goes. <laughs> exactly. It's so good. So good oh. to be a part of that. But you have to, I mean, the last thing that I would say is that you have to have this vision for patience and, and that you don't see everything. I feel like Jesus is always saying that in the gospels, you see, but you don't see clearly. And it's always like fine tuning our vision that what we think is, is happening. There's so much more that's happening and what we get to see over time is worth waiting for. Yeah, I, I think if anybody wanted proof of that in, in Scripture and in Jesus' life, just go do a little timeline of Jesus' relationship with Peter. Yeah. And the highs and lows of that trajectory. Yeah, right? Oh, right. my goodness. Wait a second. Right. Was it right. here? Was it there? Was it then? Was it here right. that he got converted? Was it then? When did he really? Wait, denial? Wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Craziness, yeah. right? Well, yes. oh, Then it all got straightened out, and he was fine. Wait, well, let's jump way ahead in Jerusalem. 30 years later, Paul's coming back going, hey— Peter, uh, <laughs> nobody needs that. Just Jesus, remember? Like, I mean, right, it's right. a long journey, man. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And if we just flatten his story and just go with the end, we're like, wow, what a what a saint and a martyr. And yes, that's true. But, you know, be there for the whole journey. It's it's good. Just go do one little study on that guy's ups and downs, and you'll realize, yes. whoa. And, 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 you know, I, I think you'll see yourself in the mirror too, you know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, right? Whole, thank you, Jesus, for your patience and love and care and that you now pour your grace out and that patience through others. Yes. You know, we tend to yes. think, you know, how's God doing all this? Like, God's going to give you grace, brother. God's going to provide for your needs. God's going to speak. How does he do that? Through humans now, the mystery revealed by his mm-hmm. spirit indwelling you and me and the rest of the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters, the saints, that's how grace happens. That's how patience is learned. That's how uh, disagreements and hollering at somebody who you love at the gym and freaking on. That, that's, yes. that's how that got showed. He, he experienced mercy and grace 
from you. It didn't just show up in a box from Amazon, like after mm. he hollered at you that day. Oh, thanks, God. Right. Thanks for that Amazon delivery. Was this prime? It, take, it took a while. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying that. It's true. Yeah. I feel like that's, I can say that. Yes. You know, going back to him in that, in that one instance, it was like, I'd rather just dismiss him like this. Let's just call this a failed discipleship experiment because that was painful. But the spirit of God convicts you to say like, I got to pursue him because I ultimately, I do love him. And this is part of the process. I've seen the story of Peter. I know it's similar in my life and we don't know what the outcome is, but we know the end is really good news. Well, and it's the journey is the goal. I don't Yes. I don't know anybody who's arrived. Have you, bro? <laughs> no, not even close, man. <laughs> come come hang out with Caesar and Team K. No one's like accusing me of being exactly like Jesus just yet, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. But what oh, a man. cool journey, man. What a cool journey yeah. to be on with family, with community, in the spirit guide and the whole thing. Ah, there's no yes. other life. And it's it's certainly a bit a better deal than uh sitting through the clown car <laughs> once a week. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. All right, man, I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for your wisdom and your heart and all this and your example and your patience in my life, but also in so many (laughs) people's lives that God's using you, you and Jill there and and the family. So I love you, brother. brother. We'll see you soon, man. Love you too. It's great to be with you. Bye. Okay, as always, I'm going to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these, and I'll be happy to send you all of this written out in a printable PDF for free if you want to go to uh, everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three. I'll be glad. I'll send them to you right away. And the reason we do that is because these kind of really summarize some of the big points of the podcast. You know, we do it every week. And uh, these make great talking points if you're sharing this with others. So here's the big three for this week. Number one, discipleship is a process and lifestyle that requires patience and patient persistence and intentionality too. The leaders of the early church knew this and they lived with an expectation that they were giving their lives to those they discipled. Are you willing to give your life to developing disciples who make more disciples of Jesus? Or will the pull of running church programs and hoping for immediate results and growth distract you from that? Hmm, Something to think about. Number two, your community of faith, your church or missional community, is meant to be an ongoing immersion into your true gospel identity. Your baptism kicks off this lifestyle of being a disciple of Jesus and a disciple maker with a public proclamation of this reality. And then the ongoing life together is a relational immersion deeper and deeper into living out of your true God-given identity. That's a big idea. And it's one that both Gino and I are convinced of. That's really what discipleship is all about. It's this ongoing immersion into our identity. So we more increasingly are living out of that, showing the world with God's life. In other words, filling the world with his glory. And number three, as more and more believers and church leaders are initiating smaller home churches or micro churches, be careful that you don't accidentally end up recreating just a mini church service. You know, discipleship that is a lifestyle is not a small Sunday gathering in your home once a week with all the normal activities that we do in our church services crammed into our living rooms for about an hour or so. Beware of the jam-packed clown car of churchy stuff packed into your home, disguising itself as a true relational, missional, disciple-making community. Okay, so beware of that. 
Thanks again to my buddy Gino for sharing his thoughts and experience with all of us today. I know this gives us a lot to be thinking and praying about. And I'll tell you what, how about this? Would you share this conversation with other leaders in your church or missional community? Maybe your elders even? I'll bet it'll stir up the waters and could lead to some really great discussions and changes in how you're making disciples together. Okay, that's it for today. Hope you'll join me next week. We're going to continue to learn how the gospel speaks into all of normal life and is foundational to making discipleship and mission a lifestyle instead of a program of the church. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 